Hello, my name is Tamara Barnett and welcome back to The Insatiable Appetite. I'm joined yet again by uh, one of my favorite people here at the Hartman Group um, and my partner in crime, Melissa Abbott. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Tamara. So good to be back here to uh, talk about some consumer trends today with yeah. you. Can you believe they let us do this? I know. <laughs> at some point, they're going to catch on. They're going to say, you, you can't do this anymore. We're having way too much fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Tamara and I have some really interesting perspectives on some of these things. And having fun while doing this is part of the joy of it all, let me That's say. That's right. That's right. Well, and today we're here to talk about um, yet another topic that, again, uh, has a lot of energy uh, within the halls of the Hartman Group and has been something that we've long been leaders in helping our clients to see um, the potential kind of value and just the consumer energy around, which is spices. Um, spices, herbs, botanicals, sort of all things sort of plant related, and thought that might be an interesting topic to talk about today because it really is, I think, providing an interesting avenue for product development. So with that, Melissa, what are your thoughts on, on spices? Well, since this is one of my absolute favorite topics, because I think uh, you can approach it from a variety of different angles, whether it's health and wellness or just completely from a culinary and global perspective, you can enjoy as a, a food marketer, as a food producer, you can really enjoy the options and opportunity and white space availability that these botanicals and spices can really afford to literally any product that we've got out there these days, that how we can imbue uh, one of these, uh, any one of these spices and herbs. Um, I kind of like to think of it in terms of botanicals as something that's a little bit more like a, as an umbrella term. But when we think about um, the idea of scientifically functional foods where there's a lot of things with a lot of added, you know, vitamins and minerals and, you know, added probiotics and things that might not necessarily gel with the uh, fresh less processed movement that we've seen going on for the last what, decade or so. Uh, it's really fascinating to see how the inherent functionality of botanicals, how they're really gaining favor as this preferred uh, modern apothecary, if you will. Uh, so just the, the benefits that you can get from fresh or dried herbs and spices is uh, beyond the pale when you, when you think about you know, a head of broccoli or any other kinds of plant-based product. Yeah, I think that's such a, you know, important point. And I think, you know, for a long time, you know, food food marketers have seen the value uh, of, of botanicals as a source of a flavor. But I think to your point, we're seeing a much more you know, sophisticated and broader application, you know, for these powerful, you know, substances, these, you know, these botanicals, not only just for flavor, but really powerful functionality and tapping into um, perhaps a forgotten, but now a revitalizing interest in herbal medicine. And that, you know, when we really think about, um, you know, medicinal uh, remedies, um, you know, it's traditionally been herbs. And as we've sort of looked at the you know, development of, of modern medicine, which certainly has its place, and we're not, you know, undervaluing that at all. But when we look at sort of our, our history, even in this country, mm -hmm. um, of, of sort of medicinal um, remedies and practices, it's been herbs, it's been botanicals. And so I think the resurgence of that, not only from a, a culinary standpoint for, you know, kind of flavor and texture and interest, but also now for for powerful functionality is something I think that's really uh, invigorating mm -hmm. a lot of product development. 
Yeah. And coming more from a holistic wellness background, uh, myself mixed with a culinary background, uh, you know, back in the 90s when we saw a lot of these really interesting botanicals from elderberries and passion flowers, orange blossom, all of these different things, it was really much more of that sort of, you know, I hate to use the word hippie, but like that folkloric notion of incorporating herbs uh, into, you know, it's kind of like grandma's, you know, fun little pantry sort of thing where the uh, the hippies up in Woodstock would make these tinctures and things like that. And they had their benefit, but it was very, you know, kind of divorced from the reality of modern and, and mainstream wellness food culture. So we didn't see that showing up very much in the culinary space. But now that we have all of these chefs who have traveled the world, and for the, by and large, they're millennials, right? So, you know, they've been cooking in kitchens where they have been able to do a lot of foraging, um, and they're looking on Instagram and they're trying all of these different flavors. And as a culture, we really kind of question the amount of sugar that we consume and sugars. We're starting to, our palate is essentially changing. So we're much more willing um, and appreciative, if you will, to uh, understand what flavors these uh, botanicals, which sometimes can be bitter, sometimes can be earthy, um, but they're not the typical salty, fat, and sweet that we're used to in the American palate. So it's really cool to watch how the American palate really is evolving and then seeing beverages like Rebel, for example. They do a phenomenal job with the inclusion of a lot of these different kinds of botanicals and in many ways as we get a little bit deeper into this this notion of um, adaptogenic botanicals and how those are becoming even more popular uh, there's a couple I know that are my favorite but I'd, I'd love to <laughs> learn personally from you Tamara like what it is that you you have found either like you like trying out yeah. or experimenting with yeah well it's almost it's almost like you really can't even choose just one. I mean, there's sort of the classic, everyone's using turmeric. It almost seems passe to say it at this point. But I want to think one of the things that's been really interesting is sort of seeing the broad application for even an herb like that, which of course we see is reducing inflammation and it has a lot of, you know, connections to Ayurvedic medicine. Um, but then as I've become, you know, using that, um, that particular botanical more, seeing all the different ways that I can use it, not only from a personal care perspective, you know, to actually a culinary perspective and putting it in teas and drinks and foods. And the other thing that I think is really fascinating about this, and I maybe I'm doing a little bit of me search here, um, not classic research, but it's been interesting to see amongst consumers, I think, um, a revitalized interest in the herbs that they've always had mm. around them. So th seeing things like, you know, chamomile and elderberry and lavender and thyme and rosemary, and actually realizing that there is actually really powerful application to the herbs that we've sort of seen as very pedestrian. But now when we take them in a less processed form, um, and we also perhaps even use them in a slightly different form, maybe via tinctures or oils or other ways, that they actually are really, really powerful. And they're not just, you know, the thing that was in your pantry. So, again, the list of herbs, I think, can go on and on and on from your classic ones to your more emerging ones. But that's what's been really interesting to me, I think, about this trend. Well, that makes me think, too, this idea of turmeric, like, great, how cool. And it has just sort of just burst onto the scene in the last few years uh, and it makes me think too about how much 
we are starting to appreciate folkloric medicine in a way that we haven't been. You mentioned Ayurvedic medicine. So whether it's Ayurvedic or traditional Native American medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, and all of the herbs that are included in, in that thousands of years history that they have, mm-hmm. um, as well as European herbs and the, the history that's gone on with um, Western European herbology. It's a very interesting perspective when we think about how you take that sort of folkloric understanding and modernize it with um, sort of integrative medicine and and culinary approaches. So it it is really fun, you know, if you have like a cookie or something that's got like cardamom and other kinds of spices in it, just because it's it's different, it's delicious, mm-hmm. um, and it makes you kind of takes takes you to the place like like you've been to Finland or something like mm-hmm. that, right? But then also you're like, wow, something like cardamom or fennel, for example, really helps with digestion. And that is one of the key health and wellness issues because we know that digestion in the microbiome is the root of all wellness. And we hear consumers telling us that all the time, that once their digestion starts to improve, heck, you know, other things in their life start to improve. So there are so many herbs out there and botanicals that can really help support digestion. And that could be, like I said, anything like fennel is a huge one. Um, And then you've even got your botanicals that include the adaptogens or the, the mushrooms out there that are more medicinal. Medicinal, not you know, getting out there into crazy stuff, but medicinal <laughs> things like what Four Sigmatic is doing with a lot of their mushroom coffees, where they're using things like turkey tail, which is really good for immunity, um, as well as reishi, which is, uh, you're really going to also help not just with immunity, but gut health and chaga, which helps with uh, focus and stamina. So there's just so many things out there. My personal favorite right now um, is lion's mane. I've been really enjoying lion's mane a lot as a mushroom. First of all, it's called lion's mane, and that's what I love about Chinese medicine. They literally <laughs> call things what they look like um, in nature. So not that I'm suggesting anyone go out there and start picking their own mushrooms. Definitely get an expert with you on that. Um, but this lion mane's mushroom, it's really cool because it's there have been a lot, there's been tons of research now, both in China and here in the U.S., that has shown how uh, lion's mane can help with regenerating uh, pathways in the brain. So if you have some genetic predisposition towards dementia or ADD, uh, you can actually help support your brain function so that there's, you know, the ability to focus and generate new brain cells. At least that's what the information um, from the research is is suggesting. And you can also eat lion's mane and and include it in recipes. So it's it's a wonderful ingredient for inclusion and uh, for consideration for yeah. a lot of uh, recipes and formulations in, in food production. Yeah. And it's, it's, in, it's sort of an example of sort of getting the best of both worlds. Again, the culinary, the, the medicinal benefits of it, the exploration. Um, and, and it actually raised for me something that I thought was really interesting about this whole topic of botanicals are just some of the benefits that are, you know, at least most often spoken, which are cognition, you know, as you spoke to, but then also thinking about emotional health and sleep and stress um, and and energy. Um, and I think all of those ultimately ladder back up to the microbiome, as we've been saying, you know, it's probably going to be our recurring sort of theme across many of, of these chats that we have. But um, nonetheless, I think sort of a more detailed or pointed look at some specific functional 
benefits. And some of the ones that I also have been interested in have been or been using have been ashwagandha and reishi, you know. And again, that's kind of getting more into the adaptogenic sort of side of, of botanicals. But really, you know, if cognition is sort of the, the main aspiration of millennials these days, certainly stress management is, is the other. And I think in many ways, they're kind of two halves, <laughs> you know, of a whole. And so um, that those also have, I think, been really um, not only interesting for me, but also I think getting a lot of play yeah. amongst uh, consumers and progressive kind of wellness advocates as well. You are so right. Uh, the mention of ashwagandha as an Ayurvedic herb is such a great one uh, because as, as a millennial yourself, you, you know, talking about the benefits of ashwagandha from, you know, an, an energy, like a, a gentle, uh, not as taxing to the adrenals uh, energy uh, support is wonderful and it works not only for millennials who are you know in their careers they've got little kids as as you do and you're just trying to get things done you know on a daily basis and trying to just be able to you know kind of survive on a in a healthful way but it is also something that we see the aging consumer um, you know the aging consumer who's looking at not just their lifespan but their health span so looking to something like ashwagandha because we see baby boomers who you know they're the pioneers they're the ones who you know started the organic movement they Mm -hmm. know more than any other generation that they want to use not pharmaceuticals but food as medicine Mm -hmm. so and you know essentially ashwagandha and reishi these are all foods they are foods as well they're powerful foods and they can be used in um in small amounts for great benefit so yeah i just love this idea of the uh the adaptogens as ways to kind of uh incorporate modern notions of wellness and the modern apothecary into the the food industry and rebel's a great one um four sigmatic and their coffees are another fantastic one and we're also seeing gt's kombucha starting to use a lot of so obviously based on this it really indicates that the beverage industry is a is an incredibly wise space to experiment here but we're also seeing purely elizabeth uh, mm-hmm. using uh, adaptogenic mushrooms and some of their granola bars and things like that. So, you know, there's a lot of space for premium products to consider the use of botanicals. Absolutely. I think the potential um, for, I think, appropriate use <laughs> uh, within product development is is almost as wide as the number of different botanicals that there are available. And I think it's something that we're really eager to continue to have conversations with, you know, our listeners, as well as, you know, our clients about what is the, the right sort of positioning and use of um, some of these botanicals in ways that make sense culturally, um, that makes sense for your category, as well as for the occasion that you're speaking to. I think certainly there's a role for them to play from a from an R&D perspective, but then how you position your product in light of that, how you either play up or play down in some cases, some of the functional or even global um, kind of uh, attributes around those particular inclusions, I think is really important to get right to and to not just sort of be on the bandwagon. But nonetheless, certainly is revealing a really really dynamic space uh, within uh, food culture to be paying attention to and some real opportunity I think to have differentiation within the marketplace. Absolutely and if you have any questions about whether you have permission to play in the botanical space with your portfolio or particular product reach out to us we'd love to hear you uh, hear from you and hear what your questions are because we we have a lot of perspectives on this from a wide range of areas so yeah 
absolutely reach out to us and uh, we'll keep the conversation going. Absolutely. Well, with that, I think we're going to go on with our spicy lives and uh, <laughs> with our botanical infused day. Love it. And uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us yet again. We look forward to chatting with you all next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.